what's up guys welcome welcome to the will ford show before we get started today i want to tell you a little bit about myself because i'm new at this i'm a i'm from a small town in ohio senecaville ohio i bet you never heard of it but it's a really small town and i've had this dream ever since i was a little kid that i wanted to host my own radio show or tv show on either ESPN or Fox, preferably Fox because I like Fox, but I've always wanted to do that. So that's why I'm starting my own podcast. And I want to talk to you guys about the latest sports news and even throw in a few pop culture trends in there. So that's a little bit about me. I hope you guys enjoy the show. We've got a lot of great stuff today. And we're going to start out with the Heisman race that ended tonight. The Heisman Trophy winner this year was Baker Mayfield, quarterback from Oklahoma. He finished the year with over 4,000 yards passing, 41 touchdowns, and 5 picks. That is a tremendous year. Those are insane numbers. Outstanding. However, not impressed. He plays in a conference that plays absolutely no defense, the Big 12. TCU has the best defense in that conference, and actually they do play really good defense. But they're the only team in that conference that plays any defense at all. So those numbers are the result of horrible defense. So that's why I'm not impressed. He would not have been my pick for the Heisman if I had a vote. And to me, Baker Mayfield reminds me, he reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel. And I'll tell you why. They have very similar play styles. Very mobile, can throw the ball down the field, and can make plays. They're very good playmakers. And they they have a very similar arrogant, cocky attitude. This comparison, I, I think this, this fits perfectly as a comparison. Johnny Manziel played in the SEC, which makes him a better player, though, I think, a better college player than Baker was this year. But the attitude, I think, is just is almost spot on with on the field. Off the field, Johnny Manziel partied a lot. I don't know if Baker partied a lot. I don't, I don't know enough about him to know if he did that. But what he did against Kansas, Baker, what he did against Kansas – with the crotch grabbing and the and the taunting, that reminded me of Johnny Manziel, and I think that's going to ultimately hurt hurt his draft stock. He's still probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken off the board, but he won't be in the top three quarterbacks, I don't think. I think he'll be behind Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen if he comes out this year. Maybe even Lamar Jackson, to be honest. But he would not have been my pick for the Heisman Trophy. My pick for the Heisman Trophy would have been Bryce Love, the running back from the Stanford Cardinal. This is an insane number. In his first five games of the year, rushed for over 1,000 yards. That's over 200 rushing yards a game in the first five games. But then he got hurt in the middle of the season, which kind of hurt his his Heisman uh, resume. He only finished, well, only, he finished with 
2,000, almost 2,000 rushing yards and 17 TDs, but it could have been a lot more had he played full strength the whole year. Whoever drafts him, either this year or next year, depending on, I don't know what grade he's in, but whoever drafts him, that's a great pick. He is just a stud. Over 200 yards a game in five games. That's just crazy. Crazy. But yes, he would have been my Heisman pick. But we're gonna we're gonna seg we're gonna stay in the realm of college football. And we're gonna segue to the college football playoff rankings. This is a little bit of an in case you missed it. Even though I doubt you missed this because this was last Sunday. But the college football selection committee, the playoff selection committee, selected Clemson. Oklahoma and Georgia is the first three teams to get in, and I totally agree with that 100%. Clemson, conference champ. Oklahoma, conference champ. Georgia, conference champ. But number four is where it gets a little dicey. Alabama got in at four, and then Ohio State was five. Number four, Alabama, non-conference champ, one loss. Ohio State, two loss, conference champ. I've got a little bit of an interest. I've got some interesting numbers to talk about that kind of skew towards Ohio State getting in over Alabama. Although I don't have a problem with Alabama getting in. Alabama's strength of schedule this year, according to TeamRankings.com, was tenth, which is pretty good. Tenth in the country is really good, but they played teams at the end of the year. Mercer and Chattanooga State. Those are two incredibly weak teams, and you're playing those teams. They played those teams near the end of the season, come close to conference championship time. Their best wins are against Fresno State, who I don't know a lot about, and Mississippi State. Those are their quote-unquote best wins. Those teams were never inside the top 16 in the country. Alabama did not play a top 10 team until the Iron Bowl against Auburn. They didn't schedule anybody that could have posed a challenge to them. So their schedule, I think, it just kind of sounds like it's weaker than 10. But because they're in the SEC, I think that's probably why they got the ranking 10. Alabama does not have a win in the top 10, so they did not beat Auburn. So as a result, Auburn made it to the conference championship, but eventually lost to Georgia. Now, if we go to Ohio State, their strength of schedule was in the top five, according to TeamRankings.com. They did play teams like Army and UNLV, but they played those teams early in the year. Still not great teams, but they played them earlier in the year. And they played the tougher part of their schedule at the end. They have two top four wins against Penn State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. But their one glaring, just glaring flaw in their resume was their loss to Iowa by 31 points at Iowa. Ohio State never recovered from that loss. That is 
what I believe is the ultimate reason why they did not get into the playoff. But, and there's always a big old but in there. Iowa, according to these numbers I have here, wasn't a bad team. They had a strength of schedule of nine, which was higher than Alabama's. Their football power index, which is the strength of the team going forward according to the season prior, is 24th in the country. So that lends itself to be believed that Iowa is actually a pretty good team going 7-5 and five with that tough a schedule in the Big Ten, arguably the toughest conference in college football. That proves Iowa is actually a pretty good team. But I think if, I, if Ohio State would have lost to them by like a field goal, a touchdown, 10 points, I don't think it would have been as much of a problem, and I think Ohio State would have got in. But you lost by 31 JT Barrett threw three picks in that game. He played horrible. The team played horrible. That's the reason why they didn't get in. And Ohio State didn't get in because of that loss. That's the only reason why they didn't get in. But Alabama got in for the same reason Ohio State got in last year. Non-conference champ, one-loss team over a conference champ, two-loss team. Alabama had one loss. And a two-loss conference champ, Georgia, was in. But they both got in together. So it wasn't really that big a deal. But Ohio State was... A one-loss team who lost to Penn State, who was a two-loss team, and they won the conference champ. Penn State should have got in the playoff last year. They beat Ohio State, and they won the conference. But since Ohio State had one loss, I guess they decided to throw them in. But that's the but Alabama got in for the same reason Ohio State got in last year. And to me, this season proves exactly why the playoff should be should be expanded to eight or more teams. They've been talking about this after since the first year of the playoff of expanding the playoff to eight, eight teams or more. And people want to expand the playoffs to eight teams because of all the arguments when deciding who should be in the top four. But expanding it will actually make things worse and only intensify the arguments for, for teams sitting in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. Expanding the playoff doesn't make anything any better. It'll make things a lot worse. But since I want to host my own show and I want to get into the debate business, like and I'm like I want to be in the argument business. I'm all for expanding the playoff. This is this would be a perfect move because it would just create so many more arguments. And I have an example. All like clubs that are very exclusive, people like you and me know we're not going to get in. But as soon as you start letting in our friends and our neighbors, we get a little mad because we feel like they're 
our equals. Like, imagine a country club that only lets billionaires be members. People know they're not going to get in because it's for billionaires. But when you start letting in millionaires and friends of millionaires, the arguments for who should be allowed in get more heated. Here's another example. Imagine we did a college football playoff of fast food chains. And if you take the top three based on sales, okay, McDonald's, no argument there. They're the, the king of burgers. Well, that's a bad analogy because of Burger King, but you get my point. Starbucks, number two. And number three, Subway. You can't argue those three as the top three. But the minute you add a fourth fast food chain, look what happens. Number four, Burger King. You have two fast food chains in the top four that sell mostly burgers. Has anyone ever heard of Wendy's? Wendy's, when they see that Burger King gets in, holy crap, you're not going to include the Baconator? Burger King has the Whopper and the Flame Grilled Burger. You're not going to include the Crispy Chicken Sandwich, a Frosty? So there's a whole argument there between Wendy's and Burger King. But then when you expand it to eight teams, Wendy's get it gets in. And people like or people restaurants like Taco Bell will get in. But then when you get to number eight, a whole nother set of arguments uh, take place. Chick-fil-A is at number eight. You're telling me you're not going to have a pizza chain, no Pizza Hut, no Domino's, no Panera Bread, no KFC. Those, those fast food chains have legitimate arguments because people love pizza. We live in America. You're not going to put a pizza, a pizza chain in the top eight. You're not going to put... You're not going to put KFC, a chicken place, no chicken place in there? I mean, you have Chick-fil-A, but you're not going to put KFC, KFC in over Chick-fil-A? And I love the two guys in the Sonic commercials. You're not going to put Sonic in? Sonic's a pretty popular place. And Chipotle, everybody loves. Once you get to 12, 13, 14, Chipotle, Sonic, and Domino's, They'll have legitimate arguments to get in. So you see, expanding expanding the playoff is only going to create more arguments. It'll settle the top four. It'll settle the top four, five, and six. But once you get to seven, eight, and nine, it gets it just intensifies even a, a lot more arguments. It gives it gives teams this now sense of hope that they can get in when you expand it. It goes it goes back to the, to the country club example. When you start letting in millionaires with billionaires and then you let the friends of millionaires get in, 
you get upset. The arguments for who should be allowed in get more heated when your friends are being invited and your neighbors, you get upset because you feel like you're equal to them and you should be invited too. So when you, when you want to add more teams, it only intensifies the arguments and I'm all for it. By the way, those games, the, the top four games, Clemson plays Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and Oklahoma plays Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Those games will be around New Year's. I don't know the exact dates on those, but around New Year's. So be ready to tune into those games. Those are going to be some really good games. I like I like Clemson over Alabama. I just don't think Alabama is as good as they, they once were. And then Georgia and Oklahoma. I, I like the high-scoring offense of Oklahoma. Even though I said I wasn't that impressed with them, I still like their offense against Georgia. Georgia's a tough team, but I think I like Oklahoma in this one. And then Clemson versus Oklahoma. I, I have no idea who I would pick for that one. We'll, we'll see what happens after the Sugar Bowl and, and Rose Bowl, and then I'll make a prediction on that in, on a future episode. But now we're going to segue over to the NBA. We've got a little bit of news uh, in the NBA. It's early season, so we don't really have much news early on. Uh, but we'll start with this. Jaleel Okafor, the center for the Philadelphia 76ers, was traded a few days ago to the Brooklyn Nets with Nick Stauskas for Trevor Booker and a second-round pick. And this, this is perfect for Jaleel Okafor. This gives him a fresh start. He, he never really got his opportunity in Philly with the emergence of Joel Embiid, who is just a monster. He can shoot it from anywhere. He can face you up in the post. He can back you down. He can pass. He can posterize you. He plays amazing defense. I like him better than Carl Anthony Towns. And I know every GM in the NBA would, would pick Carl Anthony Towns over Embiid and over an blah, 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 blah. I can't talk today over Embiid because of the injuries. And that's probably, that's a fair statement, but just overall skill and overall around, like just all around game. I love Joel Embiid. He is, a, he's a star now and he will be a superstar. But anyways, this gives, uh, Jaleel Okafor, a good fresh start in Brooklyn. He will play with D'Angelo Russell, and he'll more than likely start, and we'll be able to see what those two can do together and really see what Jaleel can do because we haven't seen much of Jaleel since he came into the league. So I'm excited to see see what happens there. That would be a, 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 something to look out for. Now we'll move on to... The Cleveland Cavaliers, they had a 13-game win streak snapped yesterday by the Indiana Pacers, a horrible team. But they had a 13-game win streak going on. But I'm not all that impressed by it. They they started the season very, very bad, horribly horrible on offense and defense. Their efficiency was 
horrible across the board. But I'm not impressed with, with their 13-game win streak because during their streak, let me pull up their schedule here, they played teams like Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, and they only beat them by seven. Dallas is a horrible team. They have a nice young player in Dennis Smith Jr., but they're a horrible team. Only beat them by seven. Played the Knicks. They are a pretty good team this year. They'll make the playoffs in the East, I think. They only beat them by three. Should have beat them by 20. They beat the Charlotte Hornets by eight. Not a good team. Kemba Walker and Dwight Howard shouldn't be almost beating LeBron James, Kevin Love, Dwayne Wade. They beat the Clippers by five. They're not that great this year either. DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, like those are the only two players they have. Not impressed by that. Now against Detroit, I am very impressed because Detroit is a very, very good team this year. They have been playing really well. I thought they were going to drop off, and they just haven't. They've been playing great. They only beat Brooklyn by 10. Not very impressive. Again, beat Charlotte by 1. And then beat the 76ers. The 76ers are a good team. They're going to get even better in the years for years to come. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. They beat them by 22, over 20 points, which is a really good win. Beat the Miami Heat by 11. That's, that's okay. That's expected. Only beat the Hawks by 7. The Hawks are horrible. Beat the Memphis Grizzlies without... Mark, uh, Marc Gasol or Mike Conley beat the Bulls by 20-something. Good win. Expected. And then only beat the Sacramento Kings by 6. I'm not impressed with this with this win streak because they should have blown out 95% of these teams. And they should have beat the Pacers last night. They lost by 4. It's horrible. So I'm not very impressed, but I know they're going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll turn it on at the end of the year. They always seem to wait to turn it on. And once they get IT back, once they get him back in the fold, they'll they'll figure it out, and they'll play a lot better. And they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston this year, and they'll really turn it on. So I'm not concerned about them. I'm not concerned about the Cavs at all. I'm just not impressed with the run they've been on because they've been playing so horrible this year. And I want to compare it to the Boston Celtics schedule. Boston is really good this year. And without Gordon Hayward, I thought they would be worse. But they've played really well without Gordon Hayward. uh, Jason Tatum has stepped up. He is growing up right in front of us. Rookie of the year for sure. Definitely rookie of the year. They're playing really well right now. And in their 16-game win streak, they beat the 76ers. Good win. They beat the Knicks handily. Great win. The Milwaukee Bucks, is a very, they're a very tough team. And they beat them by seven. That's a really good win, I think. Beat the Heat by six. The Heat are okay. Not great. Beat the Spurs by 14. That's a really good win. They didn't. The Spurs didn't have Kawhi, but it's still a good win anytime you beat Pop. Handled the Kings with ease. Handled the Thunder. And the Thunder are they're not playing really well, but anytime you have three superstars, they can be hard to beat. 
the magic aren't very good, beat the magic, still beat them by 15 plus. Only beat the Hawks by three, so not a great win. Beat the Lakers handily. Only beat the Charlotte Hornets by three. Beat the Raptors by one. The Raptors are a really good team. Beat the Nets by seven. Not great. Should have beat them by more. And then they beat the Golden State Warriors. They were down 18 going into the fourth quarter against this team in Boston. And Jalen Brown played amazing and helped lead that team to a comeback victory over the Warriors. That was a great win. Beat the Hawks, beat the Mavs, and then they lost to the Heat. This this streak is far more impressive than, than the Cavs streak. They just played better teams, and they played better games. But again, I'm not concerned about the Cavs, not concerned about the Celtics at all. They'll meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, barring any injury. So... I, I'm looking forward to that, and I, th I I have no idea who to pick if those two made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I'm tired of seeing the Cavs and the Warriors every year, so I'm just going to pick the Celtics because I'm, I want some change. We're going to stay in the NBA. We're going to move on to Kevin Durant. He has been getting ejected quite often recently. He's had three ejections this year. And I'm going to tell you what this means. This is a, a maturing process for Kevin Durant. I think once he finally got that title, he's finally starting to mature. He's finally turning into that tough guy. And I think teams are starting to attack him verbally more now. Since he got that title, they're trying to get under his skin and say like, hey, you got your title now. You think you're so tough. And then Durant actually sticks up for himself. Now, he never did that when he was in Oklahoma City. He, he never did that. So I'm not, I'm not concerned at all about what KD is doing here. I th I, this is a great maturing process for him. And he's, he's proving to be a, a tough guy. Now he needs... Now, if this keeps happening and he keeps getting ejections, then, then it'll be a problem. But he'll eventually tone it down. He knows what he's doing. It's a maturing process for him. And I think it's great for him. And it's great for the Warriors. Because it makes it makes their, their team makeup just a lot tougher now. And right now they're playing without Steph Curry, who has a, a very bad uh, ankle injury. He turned his ankle really bad against the Pelicans. But they're playing really well without Steph Curry last year. It's kind of like how Durant, when he got hurt last year, how the Warriors played really well without him. And this doesn't prove that the Warriors are better without Steph or that the Warriors are better without KD, whoever's hurt, whoever's out. It just proves that they can pick up the slack for when a star is out. So Steph Curry being hurt... It's a little concerning for Steph Curry because he's had ankle issues in the past. But as, as in a team perspective, I'm not concerned at all because they will they have more than enough talent to keep on winning until he comes back. So I'm not concerned at all about the Warriors. They're going to be just fine. K 
KD will have to step it up a little. Clay will have to shoot a little more. Draymond will have to get involved in the offense scoring. Guys off the bench will have to do a better job scoring. But I'm not concerned at all about this team. They're going to make it to the finals probably pretty easily. They'll probably play the the Rockets. Rockets can beat them in a seven-game series, but I don't. I'm not putting money on that. I wouldn't put any money on that at all. I think the Warriors will get into the finals again and probably win. No, I don't even think probably. They will win the title this year. We might as well mark it up right now. Well, that's it for the NBA. We're going to move on now to the National Football League. I'm going to recap the game Thursday night. Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints. This was a very bizarre game. Uh, there was very there was crucial mistakes made by both quarterbacks in this game, Matt Ryan and Drew Brees. Uh, Matt Ryan just, just didn't seem like himself out there. He's had a down year all year. He threw three picks. Two of him were clearly his fault. And one, Austin Hooper kind of just dropped it, and it just fell right into the arms of the defender. But Matt Ryan has been on a, a just a very bad decline this year. He's not living up to his MVP performance he had last year. But the Falcons played really well in the second half. They were down 17 and scored 20 unanswered. And then the Saints were leading a game-winning drive with under two minutes left, and Drew Brees threw a pick, a ball he did not need to throw, clearly covered by the linebacker, and he threw a pick late in the game. It was very bizarre to watch how many mistakes were made. And, and the Saints losing that game actually hurts a lot of teams fighting for a wild-card spot in the division, or... In the, in the conference. It hurts the Packers. It hurts the Cowboys. It hurts uh, hurts potentially the Panthers if they, if they lose anymore. It hurts the Detroit Lions. So that win for, the, for Atlanta was a very big win. And they still have a chance to win this division. So it really kind of separated the teams fighting for a playoff spot fighting for that sixth spot in the in the playoffs and then later in that game the Saints had an opportunity to get a ball to get the ball back and get a stop and Sean Payton ran out into the middle of the field and got an unsportsmanlike call had an opportunity to get the ball back with about 30 seconds left once the clock had run down after another play. And he got a penalty, which gave Atlanta an automatic first down, which effectively ended the game. Now, he claimed he was going out for, for a timeout, but when, when you're watching it, it looked like he had some aggressiveness about him while he was charging the ref. So just a very bizarre mistakes made by both teams. And that really, that game really shifts the power 
in the NFC. So the Cleveland Browns finally fired their general manager, Sashi Brown. It is about time. They hired John Dorsey, former GM of the Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packers, who is a great uh, find, by the way. He is the guy that brought Travis Kelsey to the Kansas City Chiefs. So if he can bring a guy like that to a team, imagine what he can do to help the Browns. Now, what needs to change in order for this to work? They need to stop drafting quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Kaiser, rather, has shown you this year that he can play. He can definitely play. He can throw the ball down the field. He throws nice, tight spirals. He's got great mobility in the pocket. And he's got a tremendous arm. He's shown you that he can play. He throws a lot of picks, but he doesn't really have a lot of receiver help. He just got Josh Gordon back last week. So when the timing kind of gets together with that and the chemistry, that'll be better. But he's shown you he can play. So drafting a quarterback this year is out of the question if I'm John Dorsey. And I think he knows that. I think he's smart enough to know that. And they need to keep Hugh Jackson, which they are actually going to do. They're keeping Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson is not a bad coach. Yes, he's only won one game in the two years he's been there, or almost two years he's been there. So one would think, fire him. One win in two years, that's totally fireable. No, it's not. It's definitely not. He has horrible personnel on offense aside from Kaiser, Josh Gordon, and Joe Thomas at left tackle. And their offensive line is not very good. Their receivers are not very good. Josh Gordon is really good, but once he's back into full swing, we don't really know what he can do. Corey Coleman can't stay on the field. And Kenny Britt, who they just released, is trash. They have horrible personnel on offense. Defensively, they've got a lot of nice nice players, but they haven't reached their full potential yet, obviously, because a lot of them are rookies and, and second, third, fourth year players. Miles Garrett is a stud. Jabril Pepper, Peppers, he's, he's okay. Good punt return man, but he's okay on defense. He's a good guy you want to move forward with. Sashi Brown made a difficult job, the general manager position, an impossible one, by the way he did things. Like, I probably could have done a better job. Anyone with a competent mind could have done a good job. He passed on Carson Wentz. He traded back and passed on Carson Wentz. And I know I'm saying you can't draft any more quarterbacks, but Carson Wentz is perfect for that team, perfect for that weather. He is a big body, 6'5", over 220 pounds. He's from North Dakota, so he's used to cold environments. And you send him up there to Cleveland in, in December, November and December, he is perfect for your football team. You pass on a guy like Deshaun Watson, 
who is a stud. It's very unfortunate that he tore his ACL. But they passed on Deshaun Watson. They traded back to get Peppers. Peppers is a nice player, but you passed on him. And then you took Kaiser. But Kaiser has shown you he can play. So you, no more quarterbacks. You need to focus on drafting offensive linemen, building that offensive line. They need to do exactly what the Dallas Cowboys have done over the past five or six years, is just build that offensive lineup. Their offensive line is probably the best in football. And and all of them, four out of five, were drafted by them. Actually, sorry, three out of five. One was signed after the draft, was undrafted free agent Lyle Collins, who arguably should have been a first-round pick probably if it weren't for his issues off the field. Tyron Smith, pro bowler. Travis Frederick, pro bowler. Zach Martin, pro bowler. Arguably the best in the league at their respective positions. So that's what the Browns need to do is build their offensive line to protect Kaiser, give him time so he doesn't have to scramble as much. Find some receivers, sign some in free agency, draft some so he has viable options to throw to. David Njoku is a solid tight end, a good guy moving forward. And then they need to build up their defense more. Because with the way their offense is right now, they can't move the ball that well, which makes their defense more vulnerable when they're out there because they're out there so much. So that's what they need to do. Sashi Brown, it's been a long time coming, man. You should have been gone a long time ago. And I can't believe the Browns waited this long to get rid of you. He made it a difficult job, a very difficult job, near impossible because of how he ran that team. Disgraceful. But we got some sad news. It's more happy now, but it was sad to begin with, Ryan Shazier last week, linebacker for the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a severe spinal injury. He went headfirst into a tackle and immediately just kind of laid on the ground and immediately started squeezing his hands to see if he had feeling. He could not feel anything in his lower extremities for probably a whole day. It was just a brutal injury, and it really affected that team throughout the whole game. But the Steelers were able to rally around that and somehow keep keep fighting. And they came back against the Cincinnati Bengals and won 23-20. But Ryan Shazier underwent spinal stabilization, stabilization surgery. Sorry. Can't read. Spinal stabilization surgery. And his recovery is at least a few months, which is great news because anytime you have a spinal injury, you have the the risk of paralysis. Um, He can finally feel in his lower half. He can move around a little bit. I believe he has started walking a little, which is great news for the Steelers uh, because that means that 
there's a possibility he'll be able to return to the way he was. But it's going to take a while because a spinal injury, that is that is a major, major injury. And really that game as a whole was very brutal. There was a lot of big hits, a lot of illegal hits. And that kind of segues into this next subject here. There was a lot of hits during week 13 of that of the season that were suspendable and finable. But some of these punishments just didn't match up. During the Steelers game, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, performed a blindside block on Vontez Perfect. And it was an illegal hit because you're not allowed to do blindside blocks anymore. And then he stood over him and taunted him after he made the hit. One game suspension. Rob Gronkowski, during the, buff, uh, during the game of the Buffalo Bills, after a play was over, he wasn't happy with what Trey White, corner for the Bills, did. It was holding him on the play, I believe, or he felt that he was holding him. While he was on the ground, Gronk charged at him, and his shoulder made contact with Trey White's head and plowed it into the ground. Trey White got a, uh, got a concussion from that hit and was out for the rest of the game and could be out for multiple more weeks depending on the severity of that concussion. Gronk suspended for one game. If you're trying to tell me that a hit uh, that concussed a guy and it was on purpose, you're trying to tell me that is the same as a regular football play, a block. No coach is up, is upset with someone who makes that kind of block. That's a football play. Yes, it's illegal, but it's a football play. You're making a block. No coach is upset with that. But when you blatantly and obviously and purposely bash someone's head into the ground and you only you get the same punishment as a guy who made a blindside block it's it's just confusing to me how that's even considered the same thing the NFL did a horrible job determining what the punishment should be for these kind of hits i just can't believe that they thought that that was the same thing. Just blows my mind. Those are not the same. They're not the same. But now, we've got week 14 coming up. It's actually, I would have said tomorrow, but it's actually Sunday right now. This, this, I'm recording, I started recording this. Late Saturday, so it's early Sunday right now. This episode will drop for you guys Sunday morning. I'm going to give you guys my week 14 predictions before the games actually start. And I'm actually going to keep a record of these each week from here on out. And you guys can hold me to it. You guys can play these, play this back and listen to my predictions. And I wrote them down here. I've got them boxed. 
So let's get right into it. The Packers versus the Browns. This is a big game for the Packers, even though it's against the Browns. I've got the Packers. What a surprise, right? Uh, Brett Hundley has actually been keeping the Green Bay Packers afloat since Aaron Rodgers uh, broke his collarbone earlier in the year. And Aaron Rodgers comes back, is supposed to come back week 15, which is amazing news for the Packers. Number one, Brett Hundley kept them afloat. Number two, they're still in the playoff hunt. And number three, you get Aaron Rodgers back. It just it lines up perfectly for the Packers. If they win this game, they're set up perfectly for when Aaron Rodgers comes back. He might be a little rusty, but he'll shake that off easily. It's Aaron Rodgers. I would not be surprised if they made the playoffs as a sixth seed in the NFC. Detroit Lions versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston's back. Matt Stafford hurt his hand last week against the Ravens. I like Tampa Bay in this one. Jameis Winston played really well last week against Green Bay. They lost, but played really well. I like the Bucks in this one. Oakland at Kansas City. Or, yes, at, I believe it's at Kansas City. Yes. The, this is a, a big game for the AFC West because there are three teams in that division tied at 6-6. Six and six. The Raiders, who started off the season horribly. The Chiefs, who started off red hot at 5-0. and oh. And then the Chargers, who started off 0-4. This is a huge game. And the winner of this game could very well be leading the AFC West, and then be in the playoffs as in that fourth seed spot as a division leader. I like the Raiders in this game. I just the Chiefs have lost six of their last seven games, and they're currently six and six. I just don't like where they're going. They're just they're not playing very well right now. Kareem Hunt has not eclipsed 100 yards rushing since early in the year, around week four or so. They need to give him the ball more if they're going to win this game. But I like Oakland in this one just because of how Kansas City's been playing recently. We've got the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Carolina Panthers. Case Keenum for Minnesota has been playing amazing since Sam Bradford went down. He's led this team to a 10-2 record. with a great. Granted, he's got a great supporting cast around him, but he's been playing well. And for some reason, there still there is still a debate between Case and Teddy Bridgewater on who should start. To me, this is not even a question. Case Keenum should be the starter for the rest of the year. He's gotten you this far at to ten and two. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played in over two years. We have no idea what he can be like. He's fully healthy now, but we have no idea what kind of rust he has. We don't know how fast he can move in the pot. We don't know how, how mobile he is anymore. We don't know if he can plant on that leg. It's clear that Case Keenum is the starter, and 
And people say that once he has one bad game, he'll, he'll be out. And he probably will be out, but he shouldn't be. If he has one bad game, they'll be what, 10-3? and three? No, you keep him in. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is exactly how the, it's exactly the exact same situation as Dak and Tony Romo last year. Tony Romo got hurt before the season started. Dak came in and played lights out. But you're not going to take out a guy who's on a roll leading you guys to win after win week after week. Tony Romo is probably the better quarterback. Just like Teddy Bridgewater is probably the better quarterback. But when your guy is on a roll like that, you can't take him out. Because then if you have to reinsert him, it's almost impossible to regain that kind of momentum from a guy. It's impossible to ask a guy to do that. It's it's simple. Case Keenum needs to start. The Panthers have been very inconsistent this year, mostly Cam. Cam has been very inconsistent. I like the Vikings in this game. The Vikings are going to go 11-3. 49ers at Texans. The Texans are very banged up on defense. They have been banged up the whole year. Tom Savage has been their quarterback for the last for several for the last several weeks. They're playing a 49ers team who now has Jimmy Garoppolo starting to play a lot more now. He started his first game last last week and played really well. I like the 49ers in this game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to show out. Carlos Hyde is going to play really well. I like the 49ers. Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. Well, not at. It's, I don't know where it's at. But playing against the Buffalo Bills, Tyrod Taylor may not play in this game. So that makes me lean towards the Colts. I I really don't have much else to say about this game. These are two bad teams who need to figure it out. I like the Colts in this game. The Bears versus the Bengals. This is kind of a coin flip game to me. I'm not really sure because the Bengals won't have Vontaze Perfect. They won't have Joe Mixon who got a concussion against the Steelers. So, it's tough. And then the Bears, who have Mitch Trubisky, who is not a – he's a he's very much a, a game manager. They only let him throw 10 to 15 times a game, and they give most of the carries to Jordan – most of the touches to Jordan Howard, even though he hasn't been playing well in recent weeks. This can – I can see this going either way, but I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one. I think – I think Gio Bernard will will fill in well in Joe Mixon's absence. So give me the Bengals. The Cowboys at the Giants. This is a huge game for Dallas. They need to win this game in order to stay in the NFC high. If they lose, I would I'm gonna say the season's over if they lose. Eli Manning is back. He's gonna have something to prove. But Dak has even more to prove because he needs to prove he can play without Zeke. And he hasn't been able to really say he can so far. If you give Dak the league average in rushing, which is about 110 a game, 110 rushing yards a game, he's 17-3. and three. But if you 
take away that 110 rushing yards a game. He's not he doesn't play very well at all. He needs to prove that he can do it on his own. And I think he will this week against the Giants, who are a bad team. And I just don't think Eli is going to change a lot of things for the team. So give me the Cowboys in a huge game for them. The Tennessee Titans at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals won't have AP. The Titans have been kind of up and down all year, been very inconsistent. The Cards are on their third-string quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, who hasn't been playing bad. But I like the Titans in this game, so give me the Titans. The Redskins at the Chargers. This is another close game. This is a close one to call. But the Chargers have been on a roll right now. Phillip Rivers has been playing out of his mind. I think they're going to win this game. And ultimately, I think they'll win the division this year after starting 0-4. They've been playing lights out recently. And the Redskins, they'll be able to hang, but the Chargers will still win. Seattle going to Jacksonville to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another toss-up game, in my opinion. The Seahawks and the Jags both have really good defenses. And the Seahawks defense is still pretty good without Richard Sherman and uh, Cam Chancellor. And Russell Wilson is making his case for MVP this year. He's been playing really well. And with that offensive line, he's had to run around a lot, but he's made a lot of plays. He's been playing amazing. Honestly, he might be my pick for MVP. Uh, As far as this game goes, Jacksonville's defense is just really, really good. And I think they're going to get to Russell Wilson. It's a home field advantage. Russell Wilson has never played in Jacksonville before. I like the Jags in this one in an upset over the Seahawks. Carson Wentz, Wentzylvania, and the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not sold on the Eagles this year. And let me tell you why. Their schedule this year hasn't been very tough. They were a bad team last year. They only won, I think, five games. So at the end of the year, when they do their, they make their schedules up, they do the strength of schedule based on your record. The Eagles were dealt a very easy schedule. So where they're sitting at right now, at 10-2, and two, I'm not really that impressed. Carson Wentz has been playing great. Don't get me wrong. He's making his case for MVP also. But this, to me, just kind of looks like the Dallas Cowboys last year. They had a really easy schedule based on the year prior when they went 4-12. So they went 13-3 as a result. And now this year they're playing a lot of tougher teams. They're not able to sneak up on anybody this year. 
And look at where they're at. They're six and six. Granted, they haven't had Zeke for a few games, but they were three and three in the first six games with Zeke. So I'll I'll look for the Eagles next year to be having a mediocre season. That's just the way I look at it. As far as this game goes, since I'm not sold on the Eagles, I'm going with the Rams. This is in LA. Jared Goff has been great at home. That defense will probably get to Goff a few times, but I think with his mobility and his ability to just launch it downfield, I just love Jared Goff in this matchup of number one, number two pick. So give me the Rams in a close one. Uh, Jets at Broncos. I, I believe it's at the Broncos. The Jets have been playing really good offense recently. And the Broncos, they just haven't figured it out at quarterback. They've had Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon. I don't even know if Paxton Lynch played or not. And now they're back to Simeon, I believe. So they And their defense, the no-fly zone, hasn't been looking like the no-fly zone really for most of this year. I like the Jets in this one. Josh McCown has been playing really well at his advanced age. Robbie Anderson is an emerging star. Jermaine Curse is playing really good, too. This is a really high-scoring offense. Give me the Jets. Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Ravens taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Ravens have an excellent defense. Their offense is not that great, but their defense is top Five in the league, in my opinion. But Big Ben at home, prime time, is something else. Antonio Brown has had over 100 yards receiving in the past three games. And in all of those three games, he's had at least a touchdown. That connection is really working right now. Give me the Steelers in another NFC North clash. This will be a physical game, but give me the Steelers. And then Monday night, we've got the New England Patriots taking on the Miami Dolphins. Miami has been very up and down the whole year. They started off really good. Been really down, though, for most of this this part of the season. Jay Cutler has been all right this year, but he's not playing well as of late. It's simple. It's New England. It's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. It's Brandon Cooks. It's Gronk. Well, actually, no, they won't have Gronk. Sorry. But it's the Patriots. It's simple. Give me New England. And then obviously excluded from these predictions is the Falcon-Saints game because I am recording this after that game. So... That's it for today's show, this morning's show, tonight's show, whatever you want to call it. This, that's it for the show. Uh, make sure you give me a, give this podcast a like. Uh, give me a follow. Give me a subscribe. I'm going to be putting one out every week. So thank you guys for listening. This has been the Will Ford Show.